Today, my guest, composer J.G. Thurwell, known for his musical projects Fetus, the chamber ensemble Manorexia, large ensemble project Steroid Maximus, and much more. He's created the musical scores for the animated TV shows Archer and Venture Brothers and has collaborated with many artists, including Kronos Quartet, Bang on a Can, Alarm Will Sound, and more. J.G. Thurwell on Free Association. Stay with us. So are you, are you still in the Dumbo area of Brooklyn? Yeah, I'm still in Dumbo. Yeah. Okay. I've been living here for, in the same loft for um, over 35 years. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay. That's awesome. Down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass. Is that what it stands for? That's right. They didn't call it that when I moved here. It was just, um, it was just called downtown Brooklyn. Ah, okay. And, uh, Someone made up the Dumbo acronym as a joke, uh, and it stuck somehow. <laughs> really? I think it was kind of a joke on um, real estate catchphrases. Yeah, right, right. 
And, for uh, realtors. Yeah. 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 That's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's talk about this. There's so much to unpack here. The mm-hmm. new record is great. Uh, it's you. really fantastic. It's so, it's so um, thrilling. Thank um, you. And, but I want to talk about the title first, Dystonia. Mm. What, what is that? Can you describe? I'm not sure exactly. I, I read the, the, the notes that Michael Gordon wrote some great liner notes on the record. And he mm. said it's some kind of condition. Can you describe how, how does that play into the music? Frankly, I don't remember what the condition is. <laughs> Every one of my, um, usually on my serious works, every title is a condition or a phobia and dystonia is one of those um conditions i'd have to frankly i'd have to look it up to remember what it was let me look it up so i don't feel like like, it's a neurological movement oh that's right yeah yeah um it's a neurological movement disorder characterized by involuntary unintended muscle muscle contractions i totally forgot this um one reason that drew me to this was I was suffering from a very similar um, condition for about um, four or five months. Mm. I was having these muscular contractions behind my right knee, um, which were kind of like electric jolts um, that would happen like every, say, 15 minutes and just sort of like contract and they'd make make me jump. Mm. And um, this was probably in um, maybe about three years ago or something and um and it just it, it started off one day i felt it happened once and then it happened a couple of times that day and then it started happening more and more often and you know i went to a neurologist i went to um the doctor and they had nothing for it and um and it was just driving me fucking crazy that you know you know i would just be driving all of a sudden i'd jump like wow. that wow wow and um and and then one day it got worse and worse and worse and it was happening every like 15 seconds and i was like lying in bed and like jolting and jolting and so it was happening and i thought this is this is just insane and then all of a sudden it just stopped dead wow and then then it never happened again and it hasn't happened since after that it's like it built up to this crescendo and then it just stopped dead so um when I was researching album titles, dystonia, yeah, it is close to dystopia. And I called one of my albums uh, from my steroid Maximus project was called Ectopia, which was um, ecto meaning outside. So it was like the outside of, outside of, I thought of it as outside of utopia. And also, um, I'd also have my, my cooperation is called ectopic ends and so it's sort of tied in with that and so dystonia dystopia kind of like i liked that feel of it and also it it also um it sort of evokes dissonance a little bit uh, you know and using tone the word tone in the title you know um so i liked those aspects of it you know Mm -hmm. um and then um yeah the other titles are also you know, it's but, consistent with the other the other titles yeah 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 how did you um did so did you bring this to what you didn't write it for amiibo specifically did you or 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 did they how did they come into the picture was it um, was it I before had, that or i had worked with i've worked with amiibos for many years um 
And um, when I, yeah, I, I think the, the, the biggest thing I did with Mevo's um, before this was the Zola Jesus album. I wrote it. Oh, okay. I, I made an album with Zola Jesus where she asked me to rearrange um, a bunch of her older songs for a string quartet for a show at the Guggenheim. And so I did that. And then I drafted Mevo's um, to be the string quartet for that. And um, that was the first time I'd worked with them as an ensemble. But um, there had been sort of some cross fertilization, like um, uh, members of Mevo's had played in Manorexia and, and Starred Maximus. Um, I have Starred Maximus ensemble. So there was a bunch of, you know, back and forth mm -hmm. with that. And right. um, and then, um, yeah, when it came time to do the album, yeah, I was talking with Olivia about it. I was telling Olivia about it, and she said, you know, if you want us to do it, we'll do it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so she, you know, offered their service, and I thought, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's how it came about. I mean, we, we know each other really. I see. Yeah, yeah they're, they're amazing. I heard their, their Steve Rice record. Yeah. Uh, earlier this year, was it this earlier this year, which is also fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. But but I mean, it's one of there's a lot of pieces in here that seem really difficult to play. Yeah. Um, uh, Ozymandias. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that piece is yeah. just wild. But yeah, I mean, how do you did you notate this all, you know, using music notation software or did you? Did you, yeah. did you, was it some other means? Um, yeah, it was all, it was, it was notated. I, I, I write in logic. Um, mm -hmm. And when I'm writing for string quartet, I set up a, a bunch of different, you know, a huge amount of articulations and then decide, you know, and mm -hmm. then I'll switch back and forth between, you know, staccato and um, arco and pizzicato and, you know, and, then when I come to actually create the score, I glue them together and then put the articulation into the um, into the score page. You know, um, but it's not a very elegant. the The score page in Logic is not very elegant. So usually, then I transfer. I'll get someone else to transfer it into um, Sibelius. Oh, I see. Okay. Or elegant um, program. You know, for reading and page turns and and things like that but often that there's a there's a um it's 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 imperfect the step between going from logic to sibelius so it's a, that's a bit laborious um but yeah that was all it's all notated and then when i come to parts which were you know there's no notation for i you know i write that down um and then eventually that will end up in you know in the Sibelius score. And, mm, you know, interesting. I didn't know you could write. I didn't know you could write in logic, but I guess, I guess what oh, you're yeah. saying is you, you're, you're sort of writing it. And then there needs to be a step to get from there to Sibelius so that you get the, the notation, the, the, the pages yeah, out of it. Right. Yeah. I have the, yeah. I have the, yeah, there is a, there's a whole notation section in logic. Oh, okay. Uh, Okay. And so you can you can actually print, you know, you can um output PDFs of score pages and Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, it great. does have yeah, it has you know, you can make and and when I'm working on simpler stuff, like I'm working with musicians to do overdubs on or, you know, 
working on scoring stuff and it's just some melodic parts um i totally use that and i just spit it out and just you know email it or you know uh, send it and um but if you want something that's more substantial i i wouldn't really use logic yeah i I use sibelius i just started using that during the pandemic yeah and i think you know curtis hasselbring and some of the other members of the orchestra recommended that yeah and it's so much more powerful um than what i was using before which is this rudimentary program um it's a great it's a great score it's a great it's a great program and powerful for um for for creating the you know for creating the notation but the sounds on it are not good um those midi sounds the default sounds but you can buy sounds that 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 are more realistic yeah Um, well i already have like a huge amount of orchestral libraries and logic oh i see i can i can load up something that will give me a very convincing idea of what this this quartet's actually going to sound like that's why i do it over there um and that's that's much more satisfying to me and i'm not i'm not someone who can sit down with a pencil and (laughs) no me neither (laughs) and and write stuff like john zorn you know um yeah uh of course you know uh the maestro ennio morricone would be horrified that i did not do that (laughs) yeah he's from a different different era yeah he's not here (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that's that's wild that he i I just i just spoke with uh one of his protégés who got to see some of his you know big handwritten scores incredible um in in rome um yeah but um yeah i mean that's that's fascinating so so with with Mivos, um, did they go off and rehearse it on their own for a while, and then and then come to you and say, "How does this sound?" Or I imagine that there was some, there was a lot of collaboration there to get that to where you wanted it, right? That's a, they, a pretty um, complex. They score. they had they had the scores and they were looking at the scores, but I don't know if they had actually run it um, before I was there because I was at at the rehearsals. Okay, um, you were okay. Yeah, I, great, I to- great. We we rehearsed together, and then they would have questions on the spot, and then they would make you know I would if there was a question about how something should be played or dynamics or you know um, we you know they'd ask me we and then on the spot they would put that into their score mm-hmm. yeah so we were making notes you know as we went along that's that's the beauty of having a string quartet in New York versus <laughs> yeah. having working with Chronos that are on the other other side of the country it's a little more yeah well you know when I, I i wrote three pieces for them and um it was a they i think i think they would look at it and they would probably run the pieces and then i went out to san francisco and i i worked with them you right. know um before the premieres of each piece you know the third piece they never did um and um the, the first two pieces they played actually quite a lot you know they played all over the place i saw them play it play them play one of them in australia um i know they played them you know throughout through europe and so and so it was thrilling to yeah um to have them actually for it to be in their repertoire for a while uh, and they premiered it at carnegie hall which was great um but but yeah i mean you probably have this experience when you're commissioned to write something and often you know 
after the premiere, it never gets played again. You know? <laughs> That's right. So, um, yeah. so it's really nice when it actually, when a piece actually goes into an ensemble's repertoire for a while and, you know, they can get it yeah. under, under their fingers and um, it starts to, you know, take on a different life, you know? Sure. Yeah. Is that, did they record those at all or? Uh, they've never been recorded. And uh, I think, um, I think I'd like that to be my next, string quartet album right. pieces that would be great amazing um yeah i mean i you mentioned manorexia I, I saw i saw a version of manorexia live i think it was many years ago um martin beastie and i went it was at um i think it was at band cafe or something like that oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and david Cawson was there and that's how i met him yeah um i thought who is that guy this guy is incredible is he, and, play, is he playing with us at the time? Uh, he was playing with you on that gig. Yeah. And then yeah. it was a string quartet. And then there was a, I think it was a piano player. Yeah. Um, so it sounds, it, it's interesting that you mentioned Manorexia in the context of the string quartet, because it's a little bit of a, you put this under your name and not under the Manorexia name. Um, yeah, I, totally I guess different. because it's a totally different thing. Totally um, different. I mean, yeah. the, the string quartets were written as string quartets. Um, the Manorexia Chamber Ensemble uh, was is performing works by Manorexia, or I'm, which I created under the guise of Manorexia. Uh, and the Manorexia works um, were kind of created, it were very much a studio project created electronically. And then, then it was re revoiced for that instrumentation. Oh, the, I see. Okay. And the implementation for the Manorexia live thing was string quartet, piano, percussion, and laptop. Hmm. Um, so I, and I, with the Manorexia chamber ensemble, I actually played some other pieces too, you know, which were non, um, non Manorexia. I actually did a version of, um, of my Bang on a Can commission for a while, um, which I wrote for the All Stars, and then I did a version of, of that for Manorexia, and then, and that was after the All Stars had done their first version of it, and then the All Stars lineup kind of changed a bunch, and um, Ken Thompson joined, and Vicky Chow joined, and then they did a new version of that piece, and it was totally different. So it's that piece has had several different lives, you know. And, Interesting. Uh, um, yeah, but the string quartets, um, they come from different sources. I mean, one of them, the um, the piece Ozymandias that you mentioned, that was actually commissioned by the Zephyr Quartet, who were a quartet in Australia, um, for a project, they were like a um, an exquisite corpse project. Oh, they, okay. Yeah, like the board game. Yeah. 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 Basically, you... It, you um you you were getting like the tail end of the previous piece and you were supposed to use that as a starting point right right and uh, so it becomes this thread among yeah. different artists yeah that's interesting and then fun funnily enough the piece that i was following ended in silence <laughs> so, <laughs> so i was basically starting from starting from scratch <laughs> yeah blank canvas which was beautiful so that's that was the origin of that piece and i never heard them play it um i don't remember even if i heard a recording of it 
But, but that's a very difficult piece.
the second last piece which is called helio heliophobia i actually started writing that for um Kronos quartet and um and it was going to be the third piece that i wrote for Kronos quartet because i'd had this um talk with david harrington it was actually in australia after they had played my and I was down in Melbourne when they were there. Mm, I see. And um, they they performed my second piece um, at this concert. And then I, we had breakfast the next day, and we were talking about the next stage. And he was saying how he was he was responding to the more lyrical sections in that piece, mm-hmm. and sort of suggested that I I mean, who's making a soft suggestion that I do something um, in that direction? And I started on that piece. So I, I was writing that piece and then I thought, no, it's just, it felt to me like it was too lyrical and and it was too, um, 
it wasn't sort of difficult enough or something. You know, I didn't think I, I didn't think I was, um, I, I think I, I thought I wasn't, it wasn't challenging enough for a, an ensemble like Kronos Quartet. So I went off in a different direction and wrote something which was a lot more along the lines of, of like Ozymandias and narcolepsy, which is giving myself permission to make something that's um, rhythmically insistent and um, kind of 16th notey, you know, yeah, um, yeah. you know, because the first two pieces I wrote for Cronus, it was, I deliberately stayed away from that. I was writing passages that weren't, you know, rhythmic like that. Um, they were melodic, but, you know, and they had dissonance in them, but they, they didn't have that kind of like in rhythmic insistence. And so that was kind of um, the, Third, the third piece I wrote for Cronus was was a bit more responding, going in that direction, and um, and then I think they didn't like it. I mean, they uh -huh. well either either they didn't like it or I know they workshopped it, and and then I remember um, Hank saying, you know, yeah, we workshopped your piece. Yeah, it's it's quite difficult, you know, and uh, and <laughs> I think it was just. Uh, it never it never got off the drawing board and they never they yeah. never played it. That's the one that you 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 made purposefully made more hard to play, more, more complex. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's much darker. I mean it's darker than mm. way darker than the first two pieces I wrote for them. Um so that has never been I don't I don't think that's ever been performed that I remember. Well, I wonder if they were in new, you know, if Part of that is the co the, the the location issue because I had I had a similar story, so they asked me to arrange a, a piece for Phil, a Philip Glass etude piece, right? Mm, yeah. And he said I want it to be like Glass 3.0. I want it to go in you know in a mm -hmm. really different direction, right? Mm -hmm. So I like you, I purposely I, I gave him two versions. I gave him this is a straight version, right? The, right from the A2. This is one that's just really reimagined and much more difficult to play. I was playing with time, a lot of mm. rhythmic complexity. So they picked the harder one, right? Mm. And I never heard it until <laughs> I went to the Rainbow Room and saw them perform it. So I'm sitting there watching this, never having heard it, right? And, you know, they really struggle with it. You know, it was like in the middle of it, I thought the thing was going to sort of fall off the rails you know i'm sitting there kind of like holding my seat and you know i i talked to him afterwards and they said well you know i said you know there was an easier one you, you picked the harder one they said well we wanted one you know we wanted something that was going to be kind of like the whole concept was like reimagined you know mm -hmm. jacob garchik you know arranged a piece and there was a bunch of different pieces and i was just one of many but um but i i did feel like if i had been rehearsing with them if they were in New York or if I was in based in San Francisco, I feel like it, 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 it would have been, I would have been able to communicate a lot of the, the issues better. Right. And the fact that I, I was never invited to rehearsal because they were so busy doing other things. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, I think is, was the problem. Um, yeah. There's, I, you know, I would tend to agree. And, but the other thing is that, when you write a, a piece that's complex and and also rhythmically complex that there is the danger of the if there's not enough re rehearsal time um it can 
be on the verge of falling apart. And I wrote, wrote a piece for String Orchestra of Brooklyn. Um, and I'd wanted to, you know, they'd asked me and I didn't do, do it the first time they asked me and I did it the second time. And um, the piece that I wrote was very rhythmically challenging and we added instruments. You know, I wanted to add um, two percussionists and French horn and so, which we did. And, um, but um, I don't think they had enough rehearsals, you know, and right. because, you know, it's a big ensemble and like people are volunteers and it's not a big budget, you know. And so um, I feel like in some ways you have to keep that in mind. Like what, what are the constraints going to be, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, Before you agree to do it, don't assume that there's rehearsal time is, I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I hear what's yeah. in my head and then, and then, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but of course I want to, I want to hear the most, you know, grand and challenging thing possible, you know, especially yeah. when I've got an opportunity to work with a string orchestra and, you know. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, on the other hand, you know, I, I just, I, we just, uh, I wrote a piece for Alarm All Sound, which we premiered in um, January. And that mm -hmm. was thrilling, you know, because I was able to attend the rehearsals. You know, we workshopped it in, at Mizzou, actually. Um, oh, nice. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, that was the ideal situation where we were together. We'd worship, we actually workshopped it in the, um, during the pandemic. And because oh, of because of because of the conditions of the pandemic, um, the ensemble were split in two different places. So some of them were in um, a studio in New Jersey, and some of them were in a studio, I think, in New York or something like that. But they weren't doing it at the same time. So I had to listen to like half the instrumentation of the piece on one day. <laughs> and then like make my comments on that like hearing half and then half the instrumentation on another day wow and, um and then they glued them together and there wasn't the cohesion that you would get if everyone was playing at the same time right um so that was difficult and then it finally coalesced that we that everyone would be in the same place at the same time and what man they play the hell out of it is it that right wow really exciting yeah i mean yeah. it came together and um and you know alan pearson is incredible you know wow that's good to know yeah 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 i like the fact that when we worked together you wanted to do a lot of rehearsals and i because i always i always prefer that you know especially when you're working with somebody the vocalist or you know an orchestra or a string quartet it's like you, especially like you said the larger the group the more you know the more sort of balls in the air and things that can go wrong yeah so in cues and all these kinds of things it gets really complicated fast so yeah so i kind of that's interesting i, I never really thought of it like that you really do have to kind of think about well how much rehearsal are we going to have you know like i don't yeah. even want to start this until you know let's talk about how many rehearsals because you know this is going to this is going to require a lot of time on that end yeah can i be at the rehearsals you know th those kinds of things you know? yeah, yeah yeah well i'm doing i'm working on another chamber orchestra piece now and um i'm just i'm throwing caution to the wind and i'm going in you know with both feet again because 
I, you know, I really want to realize the ideas that I have and, you know, um, and I'm just going to assume that there's going to be enough rehearsals, you know, and, um, because why the hell not, you know? Well, yeah. Well, if you're in control of the rehearsals, then that's, that's no well, problem. This I'm, this I'm not, it's not, it's actually down in Orlando. So, um, oh, okay. um, yeah. about going down there and hopefully rehearsing with them. Nice. Is it a court? Is it an ensemble based in Orlando? Yeah, they're called the uh, Alterity Chamber Orchestra. Interesting. My brother lives in Orlando. That's where my my I'm from Florida originally. Oh, really? And, and yeah, and Orlando is a pretty cool. There's some really cool. There's a really cool art scene there. People yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't think that, <laughs> but yeah, but, uh, yeah, there's a pretty cool art scene there. Yeah, well, and, I play, I played there with my chamber on um, with my my solo um, surround sound project. Um, down there and then i was talking with the um the organizer and you know this went down that path and um he's you know involved with his chamber ensemble and you know they oh wow mission that's interesting wow. yeah so i wanted to talk about um steroid maximus which is one of my favorite groups of yours so there's a great there's some great videos of celebrate brooklyn online mm. yeah mm. And, and it's just so fantastic um first of all the sound i don't know how they recorded the sound on that but it's just fantastic i that guess was it was off the cameras uh, was, oh really wow I, yeah yeah so i'm trying to figure out you know i know i know some people in the band um that were playing on that show it it's the records are are fantastic and we should play a, a track from one of these records but i know stephen bernstein who's a mutual friend had, had, had written some of these arrangements. Mm. So did he have to reverse engineer that from the recordings or how, well, how did that yeah. work exactly? The way it worked was I was, um, um, you know, I, I have this great ally, David Sefton, who, um, who I first met when he was um, uh, curating at the South bank in London mm -hmm. and um and he moved to UCLA and was uh, working on the arts program there. And, you know, after some talks, we, you know, he commissioned me to create, um, to, to do a, a live concert of Steroid Maximus of the album mm -hmm. that I've been working on, which is Ectopia, which I mentioned before. And um, so I, I wanted to work with Steve on the arrangement. So we got together and listened to it and decided, how what what instrumentation we would need to voice this album <laughs> wow and, and so then that's how we came up with that instrumentation by listening to the album and figuring out what instruments we'd need to, wow. to recreate it um which was i mean i think i we ended up at you know the earliest we, we first did it in la it was going to be at the Henry Fonda Theater, and then for some reason that wasn't available, and we ended up doing two shows at the Knitting Factory. I think maybe both shows in one, two shows in one night or something. And um, and so the instrumentation was two was two. So the first one I think was two trumpets, two trombones, um, like concert percussion, Latin percussion, hand percussion, um, drum kit, bass, guitar, drums two keyboards, um, one woodwind, and um, two violins, mm. uh, okay. cello. Uh, and I think by, you know, then we did it again in Europe. We did it, um, 
we did it in Nantes and in, in Paris at the Pompidou Center and at the Tilburg um, Jazz Festival. That was the same ensemble for all three of them. So it would just be, you know, me and Steve Wayans, and then we contracted the rest of the musicians. Mm -hmm. And then um, finally the Celebrate Brooklyn thing came about. And by then I really felt like to get the sound that I wanted, I needed to add. Right. And yeah. I think we added a trumpet player. We may have, I don't quite remember, but um, we had Marcus Rojas and he's incredible. And right. he, so he played bass trombone and tuba, I think, which we hadn't had before. Um, we'd had bass trombone, which gives it that great low end. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, it, it mutated a bit. And then when we did it in, um, at, uh, prospect park and celebrate Brooklyn, we also did through in a couple of arrangements of venture brothers, this, um, cartoon that I has been doing the musical score for, which is that, which was actually my involvement with venture brothers came about from steroid Maximus. Um, he liked the records. Is that yeah? The director oh, okay. heard, heard Steroid Maximus, and he felt like Steroid Maximus was a really great musical encapsulation of the world, the Venture Brothers world he was trying to create. Nice. And so they uh, came to me and asked me about scoring it, and that's um, how my work with that that came about. So you know, I've done a couple of soundtracks from the Venture Brothers, uh, released a couple of soundtracks, and we performed some of that stuff and stuff on venture brothers is definitely is is kind of a continuation of steroid maximus um in some ways um so certainly of the the la of the ectopia album
you know, I performed with my fetus project for some years. I did a few tours in the 90s with that project. And um, I I was always reluctant to do it as a rock band because I thought it, it would dumb down the music and steamroller out the um, the nuances, which, of course, it did. But it, yeah. <laughs> it, it turned it into something different. It turned it into this kind of, you know, really um, something very powerful, but something very different. So it was, it was, you know, in the same same way, revoicing, um, uh, revoicing the music for that instrumentation that I had, which was like guitar, bass, drums, keyboards, and on some tours I had violin, Han Rowe playing violin and um, and guitar. Um, but by the end of, you know, by the time that I was through doing that at the end of the nineties, I was over that, you know? And Mm -hmm. so when, when we actually came to the steroid Maximus, it was such a different experience. And I was finally hearing my music live the way that I thought it should sound. Mm -hmm. And it took an 18 piece band to do it, you know? Um, right, because the fetus records, you were most of those were you. I mean, it seemed like it was mostly one man band. Yeah, you you would perform live. Was that when you perform live in the '90s, for example? Um, were, was was that a different band every time, or was were you performing with a with? Would you go out with a band and it would be the same band for years? Some of the same people on each tour. I mean, there was a lot of crossover with Swans. Um, oh, okay. So Norman Westberg from Swans played guitar in a lot of the versions of those bands. And Al Just Kizzy's, who was in Swans, also did. And um, Vinnie Signorelli, who was played first, who I first knew through Swans, and then he went on to play in Unsane, played on a, a couple of tours. Um, uh, but, you know, then there were other people that see came and went you know right because i it, it sounded like to me that that steroid maximus was was really what you were kind of moving toward anyway and and you know i think i read somewhere in an interview you said once the fetus records were becoming more and more instrumental <laughs> so so you sort of well why don't we just you know go really push in that direction and and, yeah. and do an instrumental project right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. also that sense. you know a lot of you know on a lot of the early fetus records have pretty symphonic as well oh yeah uh, for sure yeah you know, they're you know right. why it's using fair light to simulate orchestras and you know right. they're you know, fairly heavily arranged you know.
with the steroid maximus stuff, you mentioned pr- you have all this big library of, of sounds and prologic. Is that mm. how you were creating those steroid maximus records with, with um, the, the symphonic sounds? Yeah, um, yeah, pretty much like a mixture of that and sampling and, um, uh, and also live instrumentation, you know, um, one of the, one of the ways that, um, one of the, another reason that I wanted to do steroid maximus in the first place was because fetus was, um, strictly myself and steroid maximus gave me a chance to collaborate a bit oh, Instead, like on the early stuff i had like lucy hamilton and don fleming and away from voivod and um raymond watts and um a lot of different people so um and then some of it was just me but, but then the third steroid maximus album is just me i, I mean I, yeah. I think i think bernstein plays on like, ectopia is that what you're yeah yeah, yeah 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 right that's a great one yeah yeah you might i think bernstein might be on a couple of tracks on that yeah. right but but it's interesting you know those it really does sound like it was recorded live with a full band you know it's so it's so realistic and i think maybe the fact that bernstein is on there and there are musicians on there there's a sort of a mix it's difficult to tell it's really impossible to tell uh, yeah, you know, that okay, awesome. this is live and this is the sound. Yeah, but I mean, I hear that. I mean, that's the way I hear music, and I, you know, and I, I, I like to make programming sound organic. You know, and sure, I, yeah. I, I get, you know, I get under the hood, and you know, um, I want to. I don't want things to be looping. You know, I, you right, know. right. I never hear that with your stuff. Yeah, yeah. these things are through composed. Yeah, it's yeah. constantly changing too. That's the interesting, it's the amazing thing. Yeah, so I also wanted to talk about your um, your the great show at National Sawdust. That so Martin and B, Martin BC and I were in in town doing something else, and mm-hmm. we said, "Oh, uh, Jim's performing over at National Sawdust. Let's go. Let's go take a take a look." And uh, wow, I mean, what a what a performance that was! It it seemed like it was fetus reimagined. There were there was yeah. sort of reimagined versions of Throne of Agony and mm-hmm. um, I'll Meet You in Poland and, and things like that. And and it's not, it, from what I understand, Simon Haynes had a had a big had a big role in that as well. Can you can you talk about that? I mean, what was the impetus for for doing that? I mean, it was such a great um, idea um, that, and so came, great, fully realized. That came about um, Jenny Muldaur. Actually, do you know Jenny? No, I don't. I don't know her. Jenny Muldaur. Uh, she's a singer. She she was a, she was helping organize this thing at the kitchen, which was um, the kitchen was doing a tribute to Nan Golden and Lydia Lunch. Oh wow! They okay. wanted me. They wanted me to perform, and it's like, well, what would I do for that? And then I, I thought, well, I'd like to have an ensemble. And for some reason, I just thought of the instrumentation first, and the instrumentation being harp, piano, acoustic guitar and violin and and i'd like to do i want to do some you know i wanted to do i'll meet you in poland baby um like that and we did so we did three songs and uh and i asked simon if you want to come on board let's work on the arrangements together and so he came over and we sort of dissected the songs and again we are revoiced them uh, so we did those three songs and then I was thought, well, we should expand this into a set, you know, and mm. um, which we did. And um, and I don't remember when the, 
uh, the first show might have been at Roulette. No, 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 it wasn't at Roulette. I think no, actually, that Sawdust might have been the first show. Yeah, I think it was Sawdust. Yeah, we did two mm-hmm. nights at Sawdust, and um, we've since done it at Roulette, and um, we did it at the real, real uh, the loud festival for uh, Bang at a Can last year. Um, and then next month I'm premiering it in London. Nice. Um, so I'm going to bring Simon over, but I have a core of musicians over there um, who I worked with with Manorexia. So with Manorexia, I had a London version of Manorexia and a New York version of Manorexia. And if I had things to do in London, I would use that core of musicians. So now they're becoming the ensemble. They're <laughs> all ensemble musicians as well. With the addition of a new harp player who I haven't met yet, but um, she sounds really good. So. The harp is such a great addition to that. I remember coming out of that and talking with Martin about it, and there were times where you really wanted a, a drummer, <laughs> you know, kind of doing mm. those hits. Mm. But the fact that there was, I think, maybe I'll meet you in Poland, baby. There was no drummer, uh, no, at least no not. Drum. Yeah, and so <laughs> I kept, I kept wanting to hear this drummer do those hits. And I saw yeah. Simon kind of like really leaning into the, you know, yeah. into it. But that really, the fact that there was no drum, there was a drummer, I think, doing minimal things. But the yeah. fact that you, you, you had, you had arranged it such in such a way that there was either no drummer or just brushes, <laughs> you know, really turned it into a, a completely different, it was almost like a different, totally, totally different reimagining of those, those yeah. songs, which is so I mean- wild. I think those songs are strong and I think that they, you know, it, it lets those songs shine and, and yeah. not, not be presented just, you know, like through sheer volume or something. Right. And, um, and also there's a, there's a certain tension that's created by not having the drums there, um, yeah. which I kind of like, you know, um, but there, there is, um, you know, the I keep changing the set and you know adding things and taking things away, and so there's going to be each time we do it. You know, there's some new arrangements, and and I've been working on new fetus material for about five, six years or something. And nice. one of the new pieces is in the set, and um, so yeah, it's nice that it's it's kind of a a dynamic um, project.
So I, I understand you're working with Simon on a new new project. Is that something you're able to talk about or um, um, what's going on with that? We've been working on a project for um, songs for for the female voice for some years now as well. Um, and the, that came about because um, I was working with this singer, Annika. Um, do you know her? She's No. Um, she's an English singer. She lives in um, Berlin. And I was I became aware of her with her first album. It was um, recorded with um, the guys from Beak. Um, oh, okay. And they released it on their label, Invader. And then, um, um, and so there was a lot of there was a lot of cover versions on it. But I saw I saw it perform live here, and I wasn't I don't think it was with the Beat guys, but um, thought it was really good. And I met her, and then um, she contacted me after, you know, maybe sometime later, and she'd heard Manorexia, and she had this idea for she wanted to put voice on this certain manorexia track armadillo stance and so i said we'll come over and we'll do you know i'll sort of re rearrange it and you know we'll give that a try and and then while she was here i said let's try some other stuff so we started working on a bunch of stuff and she was in town so i said come over let's do another session mm-hmm. and i was like writing a lot of stuff on the spot and, wow. and giving it to her and then she'd sort of come up with with stuff and it was actually really it doesn't sound like that. It doesn't, you know, the act, the compositions actually sound kind of fully, fully formed, you know, it's not half-assed at all. But, um, so I, I had about seven, seven songs and I wanted to write maybe four more. And I had an, and I thought I'd like to write one with Simon. So, uh, so I said to Simon, I want to write a, a song for this project for you know i want to write a song for annika with you you know for this album you know because i'm writing four more you know four songs i just don't i want to don't you know i want to do one with you for a different flavor so he came over and we wrote a song which was really great but it wasn't right for her you know? mm, i see and so i said well come over and let's do let's let's try again and we wrote we did another he came over again we wrote another really great song but it wasn't right for her and so he kept coming over and it, it took about six or seven songs to get to the song <laughs> right for her. so in the meantime we were had all of these great songs you know and one of them the very first one we wrote was this song felicity and then that migrated over to tradici bachi and it's on mm-hmm. the last tradici bachi album and it's very um kind of like uh it's it's very it's very fully orchestrated and um so um so then i just you know and then i sent it to annika then she didn't even do it um but i just said to simon let's just keep going and we'll make an album and so simon i would hear i would i would text simon and say look it's time we do another session let's set up some time and Sometimes he'd come over and we'd work on the piano sometimes i'd have a starting idea or something but you know sometimes you know, I'd say like let's we'd listen to some things and um and then just take off. And we have a very, very good mm-hmm. uh working relationship and we we have we have a lot of shared um musical references and, and the musical re- particularly of the references for this album, you know. Um and um so yeah, we've got like 
maybe two albums worth of material now and i'm just you know and i'm bringing in singers and and recording them in here and um you know we we need to we're at the point where we need to a, a lot of it mostly was recorded here and using virtual instruments and uh but we have put drums live drums on a bunch of the stuff um pete pete moffett from um Chudichi Bachi played drums but we're at the point where we need to you know have one one big day of recording the string section one big oh, day yeah. of mm-hmm. section and one day on um woodwinds and then we'll have all, everything covered great uh, but i'm hoping to get it out you know start getting it out next year maybe um and i'm still i i have a couple of singers um who i have to hammer a little harder to get there um to get them to do their performances and um but it's i'm very excited about it nice yeah i'm looking forward to that and what about the the scores i know you're last time we talked you were you were really busy trying to get your under deadlines for for archer and 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 things like that and adventure brothers and it seems like those are the timetables on the, that stuff is going to be that's got to be really challenging right um yeah and how does that work with the scores do they say you know, write whatever you want and we'll put it to picture or do they give you scenes? Or... No, it's very specific. No, oh, it's I, very I, specific. I, okay. Yeah, I sit down with Venture Brothers. I sit down with the director and we spot the episode. Oh, wow. And, you know, okay. We'll just say, okay, it has a cue that, you know, we'll have a time code and, and an animatic, which is the um, kind of the storyboard that which with a camera moves and in it and the the dialogue embedded in it and some sound design. Mm-hmm. So we'll say, okay, this first cue needs to start at, you know, uh, seven seconds and it, it'll go till like 37 seconds and it's got to start, you know, this is the mood that it's got to be. And, you know, and, and I'll make copious notes about everything and where everything starts and where it goes and, um, get some ideas about the instrumentation sometimes referring to old cues that i've already done i see right similar thing with archer you know um so yeah i know exactly where things are gonna gonna go and what what i need to do um and then there's after after i've done my work then there's revisions after that and um but i don't i don't attend the mixes um but yeah it's very specific what i do wow wow yeah so you have you have you know you know time durations and and everything oh, yeah. wow. i know you know i have there'll there'll be bits of dialogue where i know i have to pull back oh wow and, um and then there'll be things that i want to accent and you know like when it you know i know that i have to ramp up the action here and it has to get more intense and then drop away and then you know it's very <laughs> orchestrated wow. It's, all, wow it's all it's all scored to picture right yeah <clears throat> i'm thinking of carl stalling you know where you had that's a little bit different where it was that was scored to picture too, but it was just constantly changing. Um, you're the, the, the Archer and, and um, uh, Venture Brothers tracks really work as a record, you know, where I could put that on and it sounds like a, it sounds like a spy movie soundtrack or, or something like that. It doesn't sound so, um, you know, like a puzzle, like the Carl Stalling stuff is more like a, you know, a, a collage. Um, yeah. I mean, some of my stuff is a bit more, collage and i don't like it when it's collage i want it to be i approach i approach them like they're action movies or like the like they're live action movies not like you know um cartoons 
Yeah, I mean, Warner, part, not Warner Brothers cartoons. They're more, you know, yeah, action. Yeah. The um, there's a lot of different ways of approaching score. I mean, some of it, it's some sometimes you can approach score by creating music that's the opposite of the mood that's hmm. being played on the screen. I mean, I'm following the action, but I don't want to like, I don't want to um, orchestrate every time there's a, a, a <laughs> yeah. fist hitting a face or, you know, like sometimes I do that a bit, I mean, which is called Mickey Mousing. M- Mickey Mousing. Right. Every, every like eye blink and things like that. I don't really do that. Um, I could do that, but it's it gets very cartoony when you do that. Right. Um, I want to make something with a kind of dramatic sweep. So Venture Brothers was canceled maybe for two years or three years ago, but we got commissioned to do a movie and the movie actually comes out, um, comes out like next week or something, or maybe in, in the week after it mm-hmm. comes out later. Wow. This month. Um, and uh, it's first coming out on just, you know, to buy on digital or like it's not streaming yet. I think it's streaming later on HBO. And then um, Archer, we finally got the first volume of the soundtrack coming out either later this month or uh, sometime in August. Um, It's still being pressed at the moment. Um, So that's volume one. I'm hoping that there's more, but um, I'm working on season 14 of that at the moment and um, and hoping to tie up as much of that as possible before I go to London, where in in August we're premiering the um, ensemble. Oh, yeah, right. Season 14. Sheesh. Wow. Yeah. Well, Archer, I came in on season seven. Oh, uh, I see. Okay. So you using, came in halfway. Yeah. They were using Needle Drop before that. Ah, uh, interesting. Um, but Archer, uh, Venture Brothers, I did from the start. So I've done everything on Venture Brothers. And that's right. uh, started 20 years ago. So wow. that's insane. 
that's a long time yeah yeah great well i want to i i want to uh play a, a final piece off this this new record dystonia um i love the opening i love all the tracks but the opening track is such a great a great opener mm-hmm. um yeah thanks thanks for coming on the show it's yeah. thanks, really Ryan. fun really yeah. fun conversation yeah great to see you <laughs>